Back to this week's edition of Sports Blogger Radio, brought to you by FanJunkies.net. I'm your host John Leary, and with me is always Scott Blooney. Yo. Today we're going to be talking about Celtics issues with or without Rondo, Chris Borg, and the family legacy. The Bork legacy. Big Poppy and the Ludwig roster issues with the Red Sox. NHL realignment, and if we have time, Jack Parker will be retiring. Oh, and Mike. By the way, it's Blaga. Blaga. So, Scott, how's your week been? My week's been good, man. I'm just uh, bracing myself for this craziness that is the free agent madness to come in the next couple of weeks. Um, other than that, just, you know, hanging in there. How about you, man? Ah, same old, same old, man. Just uh, paying attention to this NFL free agency, dude, just like you. It's getting crazy out there. I can't, you know, I can't wait to hear where the Patriots land, man. I really can't. Yeah, me either. So, let's start off by talking about the Celtics and, uh, you know, their issues with Rondo on the court, off the court, the whole deal, man. Let's do this. Yeah, well, um, you know, people have been asking me, they've been going, hey, Scott, why is the offense so much better now than when Rondo had, you know, he was controlling the offense? And I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough question to answer. You know, he's, uh, he's quite a character off the court. He's got uh, authority issues. We all know that. Uh, many people think that he just he dribbles the ball too much and deprives the offense of scoring opportunities through like a ball movement. And uh, while I, I kind of see that point, I, I personally, I think that that's a, kind of an exaggeration. I disagree um, for the most part. Um, I, I, I do think that Rondo is arguably the best pure point guard, meaning, you know, court vision, ability to pass to open shooters. I think he is the best pure point guard in in the league uh, what do you think about that well i agree but then i disagree like i, I think the, i think the kid's got a lot of uh court presence just like you said he can see the court he knows the plays that doc wants to shoot out so it's not like doc has to sit over him and you know basically baby him but you know at the end of the day i just really think the kid's all about his stats i just you know he dribbles the ball way too much and waits for the shot clock to end so he can get his assists you know He's he's not a good on-ball defender at all, at least in my eyes. I think mean, let's face it, the guy can't throw a free throw if you paid him like he's getting paid, you know. <laughs> yeah, so so you're like most of the people I've been talking to, which is fine. I understand. Um, hey, hey, man, majority rules. That's how I see it. Uh, but you know, when we when we talk about, there's certainly a difference between you know CP3, Darren Williams, uh, Russell Westbrook, and then Rondo, who are you know the three of them are prominent shooting point guards, which is how the league is kind of evolving right now. Um, but again, going back uh, to, you know, why is Scott, why is the offense so much better now? Um, I think that it's really just the old dudes, you know, John can, can speak for this old dudes. They can step <laughs> up. Um, the old dudes stepping up right now in the offense. Um, listen, listen, 10 years is nothing. All right. So we got older and wiser. We got big daddy Pierce stepping up. And, you know, after shooting, you know, pretty abysmally, he's shooting barely 40% from the floor in January and 28.9% from the three-point line, which is, you know, clearly not good. Uh, since Rondo went down, 
he's, you know, averaging nearly 20 points per game, uh, 49% shooting. He's averaging, you know, more rebounds, more assists. At this point in his career, he's averaging 40% more assists per minute than he's ever had in his entire career, which is, you know, father time's reversing the clocks a little bit for Big Papa Pierce. So, um, all right. So let me ask you this then. If, you know, if his stats are improving and he's getting better, is it because of the is it because of the season? If this is his niche, this is where he gets starts to get better, or is it the fact that Rondo's not there to hold you know to hold the ball from him from getting it? No, I think that I think that this is just you know I think that him and Kevin Garnett really are are understanding that they need if they want to make this because you know the Celtics are kind of I want to say dying, but they're kind of on the tail end of this era. Like, let's be honest, Ray Allen's gone now. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, regardless of what you may say as an old man, they're getting old. Um, and I think that they just, I, I, you know, at this point, I just think that they're, they're, you know, looking deep. And I know this is kind of cliche, but I was I was reading an article today on ESPN about how, you know, they really are, have been taking more, control, like, they're more of a presence in the locker room and how they're just trying to summon up this, you know, this play. I, I really do think that this is the time right now where they're just, you know, getting hot. I think that, you know, the Rondo, the, the injury definitely spurred it. Like, oh, crap, we need to, you know, bring our A game now. And, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that Rondo isn't holding the ball anymore. But at the same time, I think that they would have, you know, if it had been if it had been someone else on their permanent roster, if it had been some other key player on their roster, I think they would have stepped the same way. Um, you know, obviously – Rondo is one of the biggest impact players in Celtics, so it's kind of hard to, you know, play these, you know, decide how exactly this has impacted um, their play. But, you know, Avery Bradley has stepped up, and he's been playing well in the point guard position. I just think that right now um, they're just playing at this level that they hadn't been previous to the Rondo injury. And whether or not, you know, you can argue that's because and that's a valid argument if you say that it's because Rondo's not holding the ball more. But I think that, you know, they just they looked deep inside and they're like, you know what, we need we need to step it up as as a unit because, you know, Paul Pierce, you know, the percentages speak for himself. His shooting has got up nearly ten percent. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I won't disagree with that. And then one thing I will not disagree with you on is the fact that the Celtics, you know, since Danny Ainge has basically taken over uh, the GM, you know, position, he has built this team to be playoff material there's no doubt about that you know they've they said it they've said it i don't know how many you know times in a row as long as we can just get into the playoffs we'll be all right and they've proven it they've proven it year after year but you know if they do end up making into the playoffs i mean who are they going to end up playing maybe the nets brooklyn nets maybe maybe atlanta i don't know you know what i mean like but if they make it you know, if they so happen to make it to see the Miami Heat, there's no way in heck they're going to be able to beat these guys. They're that's, young. That's what people were saying fast. last year, though. That's what people were saying last year. People were saying there's no way in hell that. Um, yeah, but they didn't beat them last year either. That's yeah, but the it's close. I mean, that game, that game too was complete bull. Um, that, that, they did listen. They did stretch it out. They did take it to seven like, games. Seven games. They took it seven games. I'll give them that. And I, I like I said, this, I'm not bashing the Celtics. I'm not bashing their age because, as you like to say, I'm old. You know. But I mean, the guys can still ball, and that's fine. It just, it just seems to me that they, it just seems to me that they're ju- they're just not what they used to be, and they just need to they need to rely a little bit more on their youth, just like you said, Avery Bradley, 
you know, if Jared Soldier was was a lot better, you know, if he wasn't out for the season, he probably would have made it some sort of impact this year. You know, they, you know, Jeff Green, he's finally come alive. All right, I understand. You know? I understand what you're saying, but to to say that, you know, they, you know, it's like to say that they can't go in and beat the Miami Heat. It's like saying, you know, last year, um, the L.A. Kings can't go into the playoffs and beat the number one, number two, number three seeds and win the Stanley Cup. You know, it's it's it, when we get to the playoffs, it doesn't matter. And if if they're playing as good as they are right now, they can continue that and they can bring it to that next level. Like who knows? All that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, any anything can happen in the playoffs. And I, you know, you look at last, you look at the look at the NFL playoffs last year. You know, Ugh, dude, I, who, I know, but the thing is, is uh, let's face the facts. You know, they Houston came into Foxborough and the Patriots smacked them around. But then Baltimore comes into Foxborough, and they they gave us a whooping. I mean, let's face it, they beat us. That's the playoffs. I, I agree. I just I just don't see them. And I'm not being I'm not being negative about it. I'm just saying that I don't think that the Celtics have enough juice, enough you know uh, veteran help. Actually, no, excuse me. I take that back. They do have enough veteran help. I don't think they have enough youth to make it past the Miami Heat. That's just my opinion. All right. Well. You know, we'll, we'll we'll cross that bridge when it's playoff time. But uh, you know, all in all, the the Celtics without Rondo have been playing a lot better. Um, offensively, they've been moving the ball around. Um, they've all stepped up their game a little bit better. Um, and you know that that being said, I think that while Rondo isn't the sole cause of this offensive boom, when he comes back, he will undoubtedly have to change his game to to be in the Celtics system because they found something that works. Um, he's got yeah. to, he's got to tweak his offense a little bit more. He definitely, I mean, let's. It, Rondo's got to change his attitude too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he needs, he's kind of a little punk. But. He, he's he's a little punk. You know, you don't you don't be bumping uh, referees and stuff. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Come on, let's 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 hunker down and play some actual basketball. All right, moving on. Let's let's talk about uh, Bork. Yeah, the blogger. Bork legacy. <laughs> The Borg um, legacy, you know? My buddy Jay actually asked me this question. Jay Sia, shout out to Jay Sia. Um, and he asked, you know, is this just, like, what is his impact on the Bruins? Is he just an extension of a family legacy or is he NHL ready? Which I think is a great question. Um, I like this question. I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. Um, I, I want to see Ray Borg's kid, uh, Chris, you know, be on the Boston Bruins and, you know, fulfill that kind of legacy of being a good player on the Bruins. Uh, but you know, last week, um, I believe it was before the Toronto game, he uh, was put on, placed on waivers, clear waivers, and was sent on to Providence, which is the Bruins' uh, AHL affiliation or organization. Um, so, I like, I I get that, um, you know, he's he's a good player. In in the 18 games he had with the Bruins, he only he can only muster up one goal and three assists, and he posted a minus six, which is very uncharacteristic for Bruins in general for the past five years. Yeah. He's been a very defensive yeah. mind team. You don't want to give up stupid goals. And the third line in general, Chris Kelly, Rick Coverly, Jay Pandolfo sometimes, and Chris Bork. Bork. Um, <laughs> love that name. Uh, they, you know, they, that has been the primary point of concern for the, the boss, you know, the Boston organization, Boston Bruins organization right now. Um, the kid, you know, last year when he played for the Hershey Bears, which is the uh, AHL affiliate for the Washington Capitals, in 93, oh, in 73 games, he posted 93 points, which is, you know, 
far and away, you know, more than one point per game. He was, you know, a fantastic player. He had 27 goals, 14 power play points. The kid is clearly skilled. Um, you know, he's 27, which is, you know, older than the, the common, you know, rookie who's trying to make it up at the AHL. I mean, from the AHL. But, you know, I think that he, you know, in the next couple of years, I think that if he, you know, buys into the, the Julian system, and I think if he works in development as in in Providence, I think that he can, you know, easily come up and be a Bruins player for however long he wants to stay with us. I yeah, I fully agree. That, the thing is, it's so funny. I actually had the opportunity to uh, see this kid play um, against the San the Worcester Sharks, who are the affiliate to the San Jose Sharks. I'd gone there with my little nephew and everything, and I saw Chris Borg skating around. I said, man. I was telling him all about it. I said, ah, I hope this, I, you know, I hope the Bruins go out and get this kid, you know, and sure as heck, you know, that offseason they went ahead and they traded for him. So I was really, really excited about this. You know, the blog legacy, blog. as you'd like to say, the blog, blog. Uh, I, I think, I think would be, I mean, the story alone is, is famous. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's perfect, but he's got a lot to learn. He came, he came from uh well he came from a, a very uh, offensive type of system. Yeah, the you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came from a very offensive type of system to a very defensive type of system, and you know he the poor kid's trying to learn how you know how to adapt to it, and he he was having a hard time, and uh, and ult- ultimately I think it was really affecting the third line with yeah. uh, Peverly and, and Chris Kelly. Well, Chris Kelly, um, Chris Kelly's game has been off. By by himself, I think. Um, yeah, I think. Well, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Saturday against Philadelphia, you know, you, you saw signs of life. You know, he 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 started playing a little bit better. He started skating a little bit better. You know, heck, he you know he got a goal. So I just it it's he's gonna be out hit, for a little bit though. I think. Yeah, I mean, well, that that hit that hit was I don't know that hit was kind of questionable. Different conversation. Yeah, it is. It's it's not even it's not even part of his legacy. Uh but the I just I don't know. I think this kid he's got an he's got great talent. He he can you know, he can definitely play this, so there's no doubt. You know, he just needs to buckle down and actually figure out how his skills can work in this organization. Yep. Um and then you know and and you know, Bork Bork's out, like we said, and then Bork. Jordan Caron is in and uh he's definitely without a doubt NHL ready. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, last season, if you remember, he he played with us for about twenty games, seventeen games to be exact, and he reported yep. fifteen points, which is nearly a point per game, including seven goals. And he's shown in, in his time in Providence, he's been rehabbing from injuries on and off this season, but uh, he's, he's he's shown that he's a uh, he's a valuable asset to um, the Bruins. And he, you know, speaking from last year, and then he he plays in the AHL and he does well, and he's feeling healthy and he comes up, which is you know I think that. Um, we're talking about, you know, buying into Claude Julien's system. And, um, you know, I'm sure he's much more comfortable with Jordan Caron than he is with Bork. Um, <laughs> well, they, I mean, Bork got traded for, you know, I mean, he got brought in this year and then he was put immediately into the starting lineup. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with that whole legacy thing. It, it you know, his last name is Bork. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, so you know what you're doing and you kind of threw him into it. And it's it's not the case. It's not the case at all. I mean, the kids need... You like you said, he's not really a kid. You know, he's 27 years old. So, but he needs to be. He's got time. 
yeah, he's got time and he needs to be kind of brought along. Yep. You know, uh, let's look, you know, what is it, three, three years ago, Tyler Sagan, <laughs> you know? He was he, like 16 three years ago. <laughs> but still, like, the point is, is they didn't bring him right, right in and he was a first round draft pick. Yep, yep. So it's, they, you know, they can't, the good thing is they don't call it these guys. They, they give them time, they give them time to uh, uh, develop and, and then they go ahead and put them in which is what they really need to do with Borg, you know? Yeah. So, you know, um, don't worry, Jay. In my opinion, there will be a time and a place in the future where Chris Borg is going to be on the Bruins' uh, starting fixture. Uh, it's just, you know, finding the right opportunity and reaching a consistent level of play that's NHL-worthy. Um, I mean, we'll see. You know, Pandolfo is um, playing on the third line. We'll see if that if that shakes up. We'll see if Chris Bork gets brought back up. You know, there's a lot of questions right now with the uh, Chris Kelly injury, but um, we'll see. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on to uh, Big Poppy. And yeah, Big Poppy. <laughs> yeah. According to ESPN, you know, everyone's saying Poppy's going to be out of the lineup because of uh, stress on his ankles. And then even Big Poppy uh, this week said, you know what, I'm probably not going to be in the starting lineup for opening day. So, yeah, the, the thing is, is the Red Sox, they they put a lot of um, stock in, in David Ortiz. You know, the guy, but he, let's face it, he, he's, an, he's an older guy. He All he is, is is their DH. He cannot be relied upon as much as some of these guys. You know what I mean? Let's, 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 you know, let him run it right out into the sunset. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let him retire the Red Sox. Yeah, who? Woo-hoo, Jason Barrett, yeah, he's got plenty of time, I think. But I mean, listen, he can still hit the baseball and stuff. But come on, like, enough with the the 2004 Red Sox. Enough with the you know. Oh, let's let's do the consecutive sellout. Let's you know. Let's keep names in the seats. I mean, faces in the seats and stuff. It's just come on. David Ortiz is a great ball player. I will not take anything away from him. I will not say that he's a you know he's a terrible guy or anything because he's not. He's a team guy. Team guy. Yeah. He is. He's a very decent guy, and I respect him and I respect what he brings. But enough is enough. Enough with the Jason Veritek. Enough with the Tim Wakefield. Enough. I'm sick of it. I'm just done. Yeah, he's, but he's got bad legs. You know what I mean? Come on, enough. What are your thoughts? I mean, I you know I. I love Big Poppy. Um, I remember actually one time I got to meet him briefly. He was an awesome dude. Um, you know, the MRI revealed inflammation in his heels. He's a big dude. I mean, you got to expect that, you know, being an athlete, for, like you said, he is kind of older. Uh, definitely not good for his legs. Um, you know, even though he's recovered from his Achilles injury from last season, which is good. Um, you know, I, I would – I hope he makes a speedy recovery and he plays the full season. I, you know, I don't think he's too old to be the the Sox DH. I don't think he's too whatever to. I don't think he's too you know old, decrepit, injured to you know lead the Sox again. I think that's a maybe. I'm just playing devil, devil's advocate and all, but I, I listen. I don't want anybody to get it misconstrued. I love you know Big Poppy. He's been you know he's been Mr. Clutch for us for years. I, it's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like. At this point, it looks to me like it's more of a propaganda thing. I just, it, it's like, you know, let's bring him back for another, what did he sign, a two-year deal this offseason? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, he, he didn't even make it to a full season last year. 
I, I, granted, you know, they play, what, yeah. 182 games? It, that's a, that's a long, long season. But I just, I mean, he can't. He can't, he can't run the bases. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to you're gonna pinch run for the guy every time he gets on base? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been watching any Grapefruit League, um, like, like live stuff. I haven't really seen him play. I'm just hoping he gets better because he's proven that even if he's not, you know, in the starting lineup, he can, he can be an impact guy for the Red Sox. And uh, I hope that he gets, you know, you know, better soon. Um he is a DH. It's not like he plays a defensive role. I mean, I I think he can still do his job and hit homers and be a big poppy. Um, homers. Hit a homer. Homer. Um, all right. So, in the meantime, probably Ryan Sweeney to be on the DH. So, um, yeah. I mean, thing is, is they – the way I look at it is the Red Sox, they got a couple options at first base. And if they went ahead and – if they went ahead and played their cards right, and I, I don't – I mean – you know, people might disagree with me, but Mike Napoli has been killing it in Grapefruit League this year. I mean, if it's not for a couple of games, why not? I mean, the guy's got the guy's got a hip issue. You know, we all know about that. It's been reported and stuff. Why not take him and use him as a DH and then take one of your options, you know, like Lyle Overbay or, you know, anybody else that they might have picked up for first base? I mean, it cannot hurt. You know, I mean, the guy the guy can hit. And what do you think about that? I, it's just it's just an option. I mean, Ryan Sweeney is a good idea, but you know, at the end of the day, we're looking for power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that really, I think that John Farrell is trying to shape his club to be his own. You know, he's he's just come into this position. I'm gonna go ahead and just trust the decisions that he makes because anything is better than what happened last year. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, but talking about talking about you said going big in Grapefruit League. Jackie Bradley Jr. I have never heard of this kid until like the. Oh, this kid! This kid is the latest buzz, man. He is. I mean, as far as I know, the kid that he's like everybody says he should be in the starting lineup. Yeah, that's what uh, I was. That's what I was. I was reading it that people wanted to be in the starting lineup, but then you, you know, for the record, in case you haven't heard of this guy, because I hadn't heard of this guy until recently, Jackie Bradley is currently second among AL players in batting average with a .519, five nineteen average. I can't even say that because I'm not used to hearing it. <laughs> his his on base percentage is is sixty two percent. The guy's been on fire, and he's you know he's producing against big league pitchers, and you know he, lefty um, fights, whatever. What is it? What is he? What position does he? Outfielder, I don't even know. That's the thing. Like they. they oh, he's an outfielder. Oh, they right. got Victorino and Ellsbury. Like I don't think that he can really make a a run at a starting spot, but the guy's a beast. So <laughs> well, maybe, well, there you go. Maybe he's your designated hitter then. I mean, why not? Um, I mean, it, listen. Like I said, they have nothing to lose. Um, by going ahead and putting some power. If the kid's got the on-base percentage, why the heck not? They have nothing to lose in that situation. Nothing could be as worse as last year, let's face it. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, if you look at, you know, the Red Sox system and the way that the MLB works, I'm sure that they're going to have him in minors for a couple weeks. If, they, if, if they're going to, you know, if he has a shot of being brought up to the starting squad, he's going to be playing a couple weeks, maybe a couple months in minor leagues before he gets brought up. Because that's just the way it works. Okay. Um I don't think that he's gonna have a shot at making the big league big leagues right out of camp, right out of Grapefruit League. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's interesting to see. You know, this guy is a, is a beast. He just had a homer uh, last game he played. Um, and you know, he's he's looking like a the new thing for the Red Sox. But we'll see how that progresses. Um, yeah. It's 
it's definitely something to look at. I mean, like I said, we we nothing can hurt, and anything's worth a try. But I'll go back. I'll go back to you know to what you were saying. You know, I'll, I'll believe in John Farrell. I'll give him all the benefit of the doubt. There's no doubt about that. It's I just I don't know. Like I just uh, I just want I want big big poppy to be healthy and stuff. But I just I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's done and over with. Oh, that's so depressing, man. <laughs> uh, you've been it's Boston sports have been depressing lately, I guess, except for the Bruins. Um, all right, let's talk about let's talk about NHL realignment. Where we got about five minutes left, six minutes left. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so the question came through on our Twitter, um, uh, Twitter handle JJ True eighty three. She wants to know, you know, what do you think of this supposed realignment, and how do you realign the teams if you don't agree? So she's basically asking a two-part question. Um, what are your thoughts on the realignment so far? And if you could change something, what would you do? Um, so the re- so so currently we have two 15-team conferences and six five-team divisions. And the way that and and playoff picture, top eight teams in each conference make the playoffs, which is you know been fine. I think that this realignment is really going after. Um, I think that's. I I actually think it's a. I think it's a good idea. But I think that really it needs to be a 32-team um, NHL in order for this to be truly effective. But I'll, I'll go into that. Um, you know, with this new realignment, it basically splits it up into uh, four different conferences. And um, each there's the, the four conferences, the two ones in the East, I believe it's the Atlantic and the Eastern right now, um, both have eight teams. And then the two in the West, with the Western kind of teams, both have seven teams, which is weird. It's not balanced, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, it is, it is a little messed up. I mean, Conference one, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams all in one little cluster. I mean, it's like... Yeah, but you know what? The, geographically, it works because you have teams like Detroit, where they, they're, they who were previously, you know, or like in Columbus, who were previously... Um, you know, traveling absurd, you know, absurd distances to play their games. And yeah, now they get, yeah. they get games in their own time zones, which is good. Um, you know, and the pros with the outline that, that has come through, every team will play in every arena at least once, which is great for the fans. They get to see league superstars. You get to see the Sidney Crosby. You get to see Steven Stamkos. It helps with ticket sales. Um, and I think it's kind of cool, the divisional playoff model setup that they have, where it's basically the the top four teams – square off individual playoffs in each conference. So what this means is that, you know, if the New York Rangers who are in conference two or whatever you want to call it, they're in like the Atlantic conference and Boston who are in the Eastern conference, like if they are the two top teams that come out of that, that four team uh, divisional playoffs, it could be a Boston, New York Rangers Stanley cup, which would be oh. so cool. Yeah, it would. I bet Jonathan over there, fan junkies would be pretty excited about that one. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that would be wicked cool. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's geographically easier on some teams. And, you know, Winnipeg is finally out of the Southeast Division yeah. <laughs> for the first time. I think it was they they got in Winnipeg three years ago. It's the first time they're actually going to be playing teams who are in their time zone. I tell you, the, one of the one of the, not to cut you off. I'm sorry about that. One of the things I'm really really excited about is the fact that the Boston Bruins are in the conference with two other original six you know, teams with Detroit and Toronto that to me, and I, I, to be honest with you, I've, I don't think I've ever watched a Detroit game. 
So I'm very excited for the Boston Bruins to be playing Detroit. That's, uh, you know, Detroit's been, you know. An original rele- powerhouse, man. Well, yeah, they've been, a, you know, they've been relevant for years. You know what yeah. I mean? So it, it's it's really, I'm really excited to catch that. Um, my My personal opinion is, I was a little confused before with the whole conference standings and stuff like that. Uh, I just got even more confused. So I, I, I'm just excited to see, you know, three of the original six in one conference. So. Yeah. So, and like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the weird thing is that it's kind of imbalanced. Again, we have the, the two conferences with the, two, the eight, and then we have the two conferences with the seven. And you have some teams like, like for instance, Nashville, who, you know, we get the Red Wings, but they lose the Red Wings. That's a, that's a huge rival for them. So that's kind of a, a bummer for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I I hear you, but you know what? Like I said, it's 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 great. It gives it gives people a chance to like really start to notice other teams that you might not normally normally watch. You know what I mean? And like I said, like for me, Detroit is one of them. You know, obviously we got you know we got Canadians, we got the Senators and Sabers. You know, Tampa Bay, Florida. You know, but. You know, you would look at the the other the Atlantic uh, division. You know, New York, both New York teams, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Washington, Carolina, uh, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. That's you know, Columbus is going to be good. For, that's going to be good for Columbus to get the. That's going to be pitching. yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? And of course, you keep the rivalry between Philadelphia, excuse me, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. That's you know, much heated rivalry right there. But you know, over here in conference. Conference three, you know, you just got you got a lot of good teams, you know, they're really going on. So yeah, so overall, not bad, a little imbalanced. I think the steps are being made to improve the system overall. I can't think of anything better other than to expand it to a 32 team league. Should be interesting. Uh, but that's all we have time for. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Sports Blogger sponsored by FanJunkies.net. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sports Blogger and send your questions over. We'd be happy to put them up. Mm-hmm.